Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this. This is From Checkered to Green, the podcast all about racing is told by two lifelong racing fans and from time to time talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome everyone to episode number 33. I am Elliot Tardiff alongside my colleague, David Motti. David, good evening. Good evening, Elliot. How's things? Ah, uh, things are well. Uh, getting an early taste of spring down here in the Carolinas, but uh, probably going to get back to uh, some cooler weather here over the weekend and, and then uh, see what happens next week. Maybe some early, uh, uh, early severe weather to deal with here before too much longer. It does seem to be that kind of season, but looks like it, it's much, if not all of it, is going to avoid the Florida Peninsula for Daytona. So that's good then. That is definitely good to hear. Yeah, we had a little taste of spring a couple, you know, oh, yesterday and winter decided to rear its ugly head again. And then looks like we're going to get another taste of spring and then winter. Yay. Yep. Um, I think I'm officially um, on boycotting the groundhog. Yeah. Yeah, I think even the groundhogs, like, all right, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some some's not right. I think there. I think somebody's got to have. I, I, I think something's got to have a little talk with the groundhog. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of talking, we've got a lot to talk about on this episode. Um, there's been a great deal amount of uh, a great amount of activity thus far at Daytona for Speed Weeks, especially leading into the Daytona 500. A lot to talk about there. Um, seeing the next generation, the Gen 7 car on a super speedway race uh, or on a, a super speedway for the first time. A lot to talk about there. So uh, let's jump right into it, David. We've got um, uh, they, the teams rolled in uh, last weekend and they took to the track starting on Tuesday, I believe it was, for first practice. Yeah. And a lot of that was just kind of feeling the car out. And a couple of a couple of cars decided to draft up and, and see how they were going to do. Early on, we started to get the idea that the Fords, after, you know, maybe kind of being a little bit off step last year, were going to be a factor to contend with in a very big way um, as the top five were all Fords and then the next top five were all Toyotas. Um, indeed, I think there were a lot of manufacturer packs that they were drafting in. So all the Chevys drafting with Chevys and Toyotas drafting with Toyotas and Fords drafting, uh, drafting with Fords. So, um, so that was notable. And then as we got into the second practice, we saw even more uh, blue ovals at the top of the, the running order. So uh, so that lent itself to some thought that, okay, we might see something from, uh, uh, if you're a Ford fan, it might be a really good weekend. Then we got into qualifying and uh, qualifying, as we all know, everyone lays down a lap. Uh, this year, they took the top 10 and re-racked them. And uh, they ran another lap to determine who was going to sit on the front row for the Daytona 500. And in the single car runs, it was a return to form for Hendrick Motorsports and for the Chevy teams writ large. 
uh, both Hendrick Motorsports as well as Trackhouse Motorsports, the one and the 99 of Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, respectively, um, being uh, having all of their teams in the top 10 at the end of the night. Fords were represented by the 10 of Eric Almarola, the 21 of rookie Harrison Burton, and two Toyotas as well in the form of Martin Truex Jr. in sixth and Denny Hamlin in eighth. So uh, let's go ahead and pause there for a second. David, what were your thoughts on uh, the first couple of practices and then qualifying? Well, I mean, I, I saw some of the first practice. I didn't see second. I, I had recorded them, but I watched the first one. And the first one, yeah, I mean, a lot of blue ovals. Um, I mean, the first couple practices, I, I think um, what you were seeing is, you know, it looks like the blue ovals and, and the Toyotas maybe took more of a approach of, you know, hey, let's see how these cars are going to race in the pack. You know, let's kind of look ahead maybe to the duels, the, the race coming up, you know, where the Chevys, yeah, they did pack racing, but they were, you know, a lot of cars are starting to do single car runs. And mm -hmm. I think that's where where the Chevys kind of what the, what the Chevys were doing was, hey, we're going to run a few practice laps. Let's try some some single car runs and then let's swap everything out for qualifying and see what it, see what it does. And I think that's where, you know, yeah. I mean, the Fords are definitely showing a, per, uh, you know, they, they can run in the pack. I have some thoughts on the duels in a little bit, but yeah, the, the just was that um, it was just that feeling that I agree was the Fords were there. But then you got to see qualifying, and again, Hendrick, and um, you know, I, I heard this yesterday on Sirius XM, um, or actually, on, or yeah, on Sirius XM pre, uh, before the pre-race started for the duels, um, they, it, I believe it was Dave Moody was talking with Steve Letarte, and Steve Letarte said, um, you know, a few years ago, Hendrick, you know, he said, well, man, Hendrick's always dominant. Why? Well, a few years ago, you know, they were in a meeting talking about Daytona. And they're like, yeah, we don't, you know, we want to focus more race and all that and qualifying. And, and Rick Hendrick said, well, why aren't we focusing on qualifying? You know, why aren't mm -hmm. we, why aren't we trying to lock, a, you know, at least try get good spots. And, and so they changed their attitude and it's paid off for Hendrick. The, the, uh, I mean, ever since Dale Jr. was there and Steve Letarte was there, it, it's paid off and it paid off again this year, Kyle Larson and Alex, can we say it? I'm going to steal the name that Mike Joyce said last night, front row Bowman. Yep. And, you know, and how many front rows has it, has it been for him now on the, four, in the, the 500? It's like five, four or five of them now, right? Um, it, it's five straight. Um, it matches, uh, it matches a record. Um, it's no one's done it five straight, or, or, you know, they people have done it five straight. But, 
it matches a record now. And I think it would, um, I think if he does it again next year, I think he might, so he might hold the record by himself, but yeah, it, I mean, there's been numerous five-time front rows, but I think going five straight is pretty, is pretty big. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, in terms of uh, what this means for, for Hendrick Motorsports, this is a huge deal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all four of their teams, I mean, they're and, four in the top five. Yeah, and, and Hamlin broke it up. Uh, Al Marola. Or Almirola, yes. Yeah. Al Almirola did. Hamlin fell short. Almirola broke it up. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's really impressive for them. And you, know, you talked about uh, Mr. Hendricks' attention to qualifying at Daytona. And once again, the teams brought that attention and, and the results showed for it. Yeah. And uh, so, yep. Uh, Kyle Larson picking right up where he left off at the end of 2021 on the pole for the Daytona 500. So um, equally notable in qualifying, this is, you know, especially unique um, at Daytona is um, the number of uh, open teams, the teams without a charter that need to race their way in to the Daytona 500 field. Uh, There's four positions open for the 500, uh, 36 charter teams, and then four open positions. Um, and there's six teams vying for those four. Well, qualifying is really important for two of those teams because um, you can essentially time your way in. If you don't have a good day at the duels on Thursday, then you can fall back on your qualifying speed and make the field. And so that was another um, storyline that was being watched very closely during the course of qualifying. And the two cars that were the fastest among the open teams, the Beard Motorsports, number 62 entry uh, with Noah Gregson making his first start at Daytona, and the number 27 machine um, for Heseberg Motorsports and a former Indy 500 winner and Formula One world champion Jacques Villeneuve coming back to Daytona and getting redemption for his disastrous 2008 outing and timing his way into the Daytona 500 field. Um, remaining uh, the, the four drivers that would have to race their way in on Thursday would be the Money Motorsports machine of Kaz Grala, New York's Racings, Greg Biffle, and MBM Motorsports, JJ Yaley, and Timmy Hill. So, David, your thoughts on Gregson and Villeneuve timing their way into the Daytona 500 field? Well, I think it was great for Noah Gregson. And the reason I think it was great for Noah Gregson is that he, um, you know, he he's done well with Junior Motorsports. And for him, he missed it last year. He missed the 500 last year to get it in is really good because it's going to put himself out there eventually if he wants to go up to cup and you know if he continues having the success at junior most sports he's eventually going to move on so qualifying for that was really good the other thing i wanted to talk say with Villeneuve is um he's actually done 
the three ma- he's now made the three major races. Um, the 24 hours of Daytona, the Indy 500, which he won, or 24 hours of Le Mans, sorry. Mm-hmm. The Indy 500, which he won in 95 in a, a very interesting finish. And mm-hmm. now he's qualified for the Daytona 500. They actually puts him up along with the likes of AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti. Yeah, that's some pretty rare company. That is, yeah, that is very rare company. Uh, mm-hmm. Grant, he's going to start last. Uh, him and Gregson uh, decide to um, sit back in the duels, and they're going to start in the last row. But well, well, Villeneuve, I think, had a mechanical problem. Yeah, that kind he of had him in his race. Yeah, it, he did, and the and that was because of the new next gen car. Right. And, and the issue that that resulted off of that um, mm. with uh, with the throttle kit able. Mm. Very good. So um, so, yeah, two big headlines there coming out of qualifying were um, Hendrick Motorsports hadn't lost a step and um, two very, uh, two very much feel good stories um, for the Beard Motorsports entry and Heseberg Motorsports, the 62 and 27, respectively. So that was qualifying. Now we move into the second round of qualifying, which, again, unique format, Daytona, Daytona 500. And that is the two 150-mile qualifying races that ran Thursday evening. And there was some uh, some, uh, decidedly different uh, people at the front of the field. And here again, this was where we saw all of the domination by the Fords and practices um, really bring it themselves to bear in both dual um, races. And most notably for the RFK Roush Fenway Keselowski team uh, for the six of Brad Keselowski and the 17 of Chris Buescher. Both cars went to victory lane in their respective dual races. Um, Busher in slightly more dramatic fashion, making contact with Joey Logano, who attempted to throw a late block on the last lap of the second dual race and crashed out. Um, Busher slid by and took the checkered flag. And with that, the RFK cars take the second row of the Daytona 500 field. In the first dual race, it was Austin Sindrick uh, in his first season in the number two car for Team Penske, replacing Brad Keselowski, uh, who moved on to the six car and co-ownership of the RFK team. Ryan Blaney uh, finishing behind him and Chase Briscoe um, finishing in fourth position. He will line up ninth in the Daytona 500 field. Uh, Chase Elliott round out, rounded out the top five. In the second dual race behind Busher, it was Michael McDowell, the defending Daytona 500 champion, um, then Harrison Burton, and then Kyle Busch, um, the first uh, Toyota uh, um, and the highest uh, qualified Toyota uh, for the Daytona 500 f- field. He lines up 10th. Christopher Bell, his teammate, lines up, uh, finished right behind him, and he will line up on the outside of row six. Um, for the Daytona 500 field. Um, Again, paying attention to the go or go home teams, the open teams, it was the number 50 
the money motorsport racing team of uh, Kaz Kerala, who raced his way in. And then in the second duel, it was the number 44 New York racing team for Greg Biffle, who raced his way in uh, both MBM Motorsports entries for JJ Yaley and Timmy Hill are the teams that are loading up the truck and heading back to North Carolina. Um, so that is the, uh, the Daytona 500 uh, uh, starting field and the results of the duels. David, your thoughts? Um, it seemed like the Fords kind of had it figured out in, uh, in the dual races. Yeah, they did. I mean, most certainly they did. Um, it definitely came down to pit stop strategy, which might give some indication on Sunday. Um, we didn't see that, um, you know, very racy like as we've seen in the past, especially with these new cars. I mean, Grant, we had one accident in Joey Logano and they, you know, they, you know, it, you know, you look at the damage after, especially after a hard hit like that, and they immediately went to backup. Uh, NASCAR actually sent um, the, the people who've designed this, they're actually looking over the car to, to kind of study it to see what happened and gain, you know, gain some understanding. But yeah, it, it was really good. Um, you know, if it's any indication of Sunday, I think that, you know, it's going to be the Fords. But my question is, is are we going to end up with what we had a few years ago when they, you know, when they were doing tandem drafting? Um, we, we'll have to see. But, yeah, I mean, I think everybody kept it pretty clean. It could also be because they don't want to wreck the car for Sunday. That is very uh, true. Um, and to your point, David, especially in the second duel, there was um, the field was pretty spread out. And um, some of that had to do with, as you pointed out, pit strategy. And another part of it, too, just had to, I think, had to do with uh, the new nature of the car and teams still trying to figure this thing out in um, in super speedway uh, practice um, or in super speedway form. Um, I heard some questions being bandied about on Sirius XM. Uh, the, I believe it was the morning drive with um, uh, uh, David Bagley. And, Mike Bagley. Uh, Mike and Bagley. Pete Pistoni. Yep. Uh, they were asking if, um, uh, questioning if the so-called side drafting um, was I, a thing of the past. Even Bush said, uh, even Kurt Bush said that tonight in the truck race, there isn't much side drafting there. He, he said that on the, on the broadcast tonight, uh, I was watching the start of the truck race and he goes, yeah, there's no side drafting. So you're going to, but there's more, you know, front to back, you know, behind each other drafting. So it's going to make it easy. You know, and you're going to see the bump drafting pick up and, you know, we, we can dive into more of this when, you know, we, we talk about you know, what our thoughts would be when we, when we preview the 500, but yeah, it is at, you're right. There, there just wasn't. And I don't think there is going to be. Yeah. I, I have my, my doubts about that. And again, it's only because I think of the newness of this car mm -hmm. um, that they're still trying to figure this thing out and yeah. figure out what they can get away with. Um, clearly, Joey Logano learned the hard way that 
Um, you, cannot, you can't block. Yeah, you can't throw a late block and expect to save the car. That's just not going to happen. Because um, it didn't seem like a very hard hit um, that uh, sent him loose and out of control and into the outside wall off of turn two. I mean, it, it, it wasn't, it, I mean, it wasn't a hard hit. It, it just, no. it was just, he came down and he got turned. And, and that may be the shape of the cars too. It could be. Um, and, you know, it'll certainly be interesting to see how all of that plays out for yeah. the 500. Um, it was uh, an eye-opener to me to see, like in the case of um, Kevin Harvick, who, you know, there again, Ford team, fast car, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, he got a little behind and a, a pack of cars caught him and they just, they blew right by him. And, you know, in the past, you've been able to kind of um, catch up to the end of a pack and uh, ride along with them. That wasn't yeah. the case this time. They just, they passed him and they left him. And he, uh, you know, left the draft, you know, he lost that draft too in, in very short order. Um, and it seems like uh, this year, another one of the um, items of discussion on the morning drive was, is it safe to ride around at the back of the pack if you risk losing the draft, which yeah. seems easier to do this year? That that's the thing. Yeah. How quickly they lost the draft, but you also got to remember that you're dealing with half, you know, you're dealing with 20, you know, there were 42 cars. So you're dealing with 22 cars in one race, 22 in another. So I think, I think it'll be a little bit different come Sunday when you've got a full field and you're going to have to see how that shakes out. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how quickly you, you lose the draft in a 42-car field rather than 20. That is true. So uh, certainly some things to think about. Um, and then uh, wrapping up the on-track activity um, uh, leading into tonight is uh, the, uh, the, uh, the practice after the duels. And mm-hmm. there again, a lot of blue ovals uh, up towards the top. It was uh, McDowell and his teammate Todd Gilliland. Uh, making his rookie campaign in the Cup Series this year in the number 38 for Front Row Motorsports. Um, they were 1-2 um, and leading um, this practice session, David Reagan um, running with uh, Rick Ware Racing in the 15 car. He was third. Uh, the RFK cars of uh, Busher and Keselowski rounded out the top five. Cody Ware was fast. He was sixth. Bubba Wallace was the fastest Toyota in seventh. Yeah, Briscoe and Almarola for Stuart Haas Racing, 8th and ninth, and then Noah Gregson rounding out the top 10. So here again, um, you know, it seems like in race trim, uh, in, you know, in pack trim, these Fords, um, you know, seem to be pretty dominant. Um, and, you know, we're certainly towards the top of the, uh, the speed charts this time around as well. Most certainly. It, it, I know. I've for dominance again, and it's it's going to be interesting for sure. It will. So um, much more to talk about on this uh, later on in this episode. Uh, in the green uh, segment, we're going to give our thoughts on who is going to win the Daytona 500 this year. For now, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then on the other side of this, uh, our spotlight segment, some big changes 
in Formula One that have just been announced in recent days. We're going to cover all that and discuss what it means for the future of Formula One. This is from Checker to Green. The From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Do you want a topic to be covered or guests we should have in a future episode? Well, here's your chance to drop us a line. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or Gmail at CKRD, the number two, GRN at gmail.com. Your feedback drives our content for future episodes. If you like the episode you're listening to, you can listen to previous episodes at podcast.com, Apple Podcasts, and coming soon, Google Play Music. We thank you for your listenership. And now, back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, David. Our spotlight segment. Uh, This episode focuses on some recent seismic news coming out of the Formula One series and um, some some major developments that uh, we've actually talked about in uh, an earlier episode, number 30. Um, And this had to do with um, uh, what the structure of Formula One's uh, race directing infrastructure was going to look like going into 2022. And then the other huge question, will Lewis Hamilton come back? And those questions uh, have been answered in a very decisive way here just in recent days. Um, So David, let's talk about it. Uh, The first thing is, um, the first big news to drop was uh, the news that uh, the embattled Formula One race director, Michael Mazzi, is going to be replaced in the 2022 season. Mazzi moving on to another position within the FIA, um, but will no longer be calling the shots um, for Formula One um, this season after the uh, controversial ending of the 2021 finale at Abu Dhabi and the controversial uh, deciding of the 2021 championship. Your thoughts? Well, it, it's very, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, we, um, you know, I, I was talking with a friend today, and they said, you know, we were talking about, you know, they weren't sure about Massey being gone for this, and, you know, but they liked the, what the new changes are going to be, and, and you know, here, here's what, you know, my, my thoughts on Massey are, is that, you know, we, we talked about it in previous episode. We talked about it, you know, to kick off the, the, the year here. We talked about what happened in Abu Dhabi and the controversy in, in that episode. And Elliot, I mean, you were right. It was either, he, you know, he, here was his choices, A, B, and he pulled something that was even on the board. It was, you know, he did something completely different. And I think, you know, I, I just think that, you know, we, we kind of knew it was coming, um, you know, part of me in the, in the back of my mind was thinking, oh, well, maybe Massey will, will be back, but I, I think, you know, how I, you know, how it all came about, 
Um, is you know, I, I think you gotta credit Total Wolf because Total Wolf literally used um Lewis Hamilton as a bargaining chip to get Massey out. Possibly. Although we're well, gonna talk well, more about that in a minute. Um, well about well about Hamilton specifically. Yeah, about Hamilton specifically. But yeah, I mean it was definitely, I mean, I, I know, and, and I think Massey had a rough season this year, to be, mm-hmm. to be frank. I, I think if, if, if only Abu Dhabi happened this year and the way it ended, it would have been, you know, maybe he'd still be in it. But I think how he handled Spa how he handled some decisions this year. I, I just think he, he was just too inconsistent. You know, in, in the NFL, they try to go, you know, they, they penalize referees who blow calls or who aren't consistent and will say, hey, sorry, but you can't do the playoffs. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to make some extra money here. I'm sorry. You know, you, your crew can't do the playoffs because you screwed up. And I think that was, you know, I, I think that's what happened this year is Massey just made too many mistakes and Abu Dhabi was it. Yeah. Um, and let's, well, let's talk about who is replacing him. Um, because as you know, we mentioned there's, um, you know, Massey, you know, isn't, fired per se he's moving on to uh another position uh, as far as i'm aware yet to be named uh, within Mm -hmm. the fia um and so who's replacing him well it's not just one person um and it's going to be almost a kind of a race directed by committee i think Um, well it's i i've got the article here by chris madlin and and what mohammed ben suliam Suliam said is mm-hmm. that Massey's going to be replaced by, and I quote, Eduardo Fritas and Niels Wittish, who will alternate in the role, assisted by Herbie Blash, a permanent senior advisor. And what he also said is that the race director is going to have a virtual control role that's going to be positioned in one of the FIA offices away from the circuit. But that's not the only changes that they're making. Um, you know, and what the, what the race room is going to, the virtual room, is it's modern technology to provide information back up to the race director on site to help them with the regulations. Um, but then the, the direct radio communications to the race director for teams is removed, which means they're not going to, you know, they, they can't communicate with them. They, it's so. Well, I think they're, they're going to be able to communicate with the race director, but it's not going to be aired on TV. Yeah, um, I did. I, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did see that, which which is probably a, a good thing coming out of that. And it, I, well, it might be, but um, you know, there might be some questions about transparency and things that said, however, there is going to be supposedly some, uh, some, you know, new rules or boundaries or whatever or was, uh, rules or boundaries um, that are going to be 
put in place um, in terms of what you know what they can talk about and uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, there will be that as well, and there's there will be some some changes there after. Uh, initially, it sounded like they weren't going to be able to talk to the race director at all. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's I, I think it's good. I mean, I, I I think hiding the the communication on TV between the teams and race director, I think is a good practice. Um, we we um, you Elliot, you and I know we, we've watched NASCAR, we've watched IndyCar. And, you know, you on the broadcast, you don't hear communication from the officials and the race teams. You, you just don't. And if something came out off of like a penalty or that, the pit reporters are reporting what that communication is and, and saying, well, this is what they're talking about. And, you know, they're, they're kind of arguing it here and there. But then you look at... Um, uh, you, you look at the whole, uh, you know, but then if you go to the track, you can actually listen to the radio frequency or I have the NASCAR app and I have the IndyCar app. Um, mm. the, the IndyCar app, you don't have officials. You actually can get an all scan, but um, I'll give you a, a case in point when I was in the 2019, when I went to the 2019 Indy 500, that wreck that Sebastian Bourdais had with Graham Rahal, um, my friend John and I were sharing my racing rate, my racing scanner, that my, my personal racing scanner, and we were listening to the NBC broadcast. Um, we, we listened to the IMS radio network on carb day, but we were having a little trouble listening to it. So we listened to the NBC broadcast, and which is good because then you kind of get, a, you know, you kind of get a nice idea of what's going on. And especially, you know, we knew Pagano was short pitting that day. But my dad was um, set his up for the drivers, but he listened to priority. Um, his priority was the race officials and they nailed Bourdais with the 32nd penalty for causing the crash. But every time they came on and said something, my dad would turn to me and say, Hey, they're about to nail so-and-so for a penalty. And then about 20, you know, about a minute later, we hear it on our race broadcast, you know, on the race broadcast or listening to the PA announced broadcast or something. So so I think hiding it is probably good because you're, you're, you're going to eliminate a lot of that controversy. Um, the race by committee, I think is good. Um, IndyCar does something similar where their race control is actually, um, there's a bunch of IndyCar officials, but it's three former drivers uh, I believe one of them's Ari Line Dyke, and I'm not sure who the other two are, or it's two drivers and then um, whoever the the race director is, and they're the ones who review things, and they all make a decision together. So I think it's going to be good. It kind of gives me the whole NFL vibe where 
or NHL where they're saying, oh, we're going to review something, but we're going to go talk to the main office. And I, I think they're, they're kind of taking that approach, but I think it's going to be, I, I, I think it's going to be really good. And I think it's going to help eliminate uh, uh, some of the controversies that come off of this. Yeah, it very well may. And, you know, to your point, having the, um, the, the VAR, uh, uh, virtual race control. Yep. VRC. Um, VRC. Thank you. Um, having that operating in concert with, uh, the race director role is going to be a, it's going to go a long way towards, um, helping in the consistency of, um, some of these rulings and, um, you know, to your point, helping to, you know, reduce, if not eliminate, um, you know, some of the, the officiating controversies that, you know, were headlines of the 2021 season at times. Um, it's also worth noting, too, we talked about SPA before, and the, quite frankly, the debacle of, of uh, that race. And uh, there were some changes made for events like that going forward as well, David, if you want to elaborate on this a little more, um, to where if they can't get green flag racing in, um, for at least some distance, some, some number of laps, then they're just not going to score any points for it going forward. Um, or there's, there's going to be no points awarded for that event. Um, I, now, does that mean it's, it's abandoned or they're going to try it again? I'm not hundred percent sure. So you can help me out with that. But, I, um, but I, it sounds like, um, that, you know, the, the points controversy, at least that came out of spa, will be a thing of the past going forward. Um, I, I haven't seen anything on that. I, um, I'll be honest, that's probably new to me. I, um, oh, here we go. Yep. Uh, Madeline, he posted it on Valentine's Day. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at that, let me see what he says here. I mean, I know they talk about they're going to... Okay, so they expand the sprint schedule. He mentioned that actually I like that. Um, I give you, I say that really quick here. Yeah, so the way the points are allocated in short and races. So this is Chris Medlin on racer.com. And he says, uh, following the controversial ruling of the Belgian Grand Prix last year due to heavy rain, just two laps were completed, yada, yada, yada. Um, now there will need to be at least two laps that, so now the rule is, now there will need to be at least two laps that take place under green flag conditions with safety or virtual safety car. So without or virtual safety car, I mean, um, before a race can be called off and any points award. If less than 25% of the race distance has been completed, then the top five will be allocated points. Six for the winner, four for second, three for third, two for fourth, one for fifth. If 25 to 50% of the distances have been completed, then the top nine get points. 13 for first, 10 for second, eight for third, six for fourth, five for fifth, fourth for sixth, three for seventh, two for eighth, one for ninth. And then 50 is 75. It's um, 
The top 10 get reduced points, 19 for first, 14 for second, 12 for third, 9 for fourth, 8 for fifth, 6 for sixth, seven, or 5 for seventh, 3 for eighth, 2 for ninth, 1 for tenth. So my question is, so what happens if they get 80% complete? Does that mean they're going full points then? Um, but I, I will say, I think I like that. I, I I hated the half point thing. That was completely stupid. Um, I I like this because you know if we were apply that so let's say we applied this to spa. Um, the question I don't think they is, got any points? Nobody would have gotten any points. Uh no oh they, well, it would have been less than twenty five percent of the race. Right. They they because they did kind of complete two laps if you think about it. But that was behind the safety car though, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. But I would say if you think about I think they started the clock. Hmm. Um, you know, so they did start the clock. So let let let's say you know this was applied and let's say they went to this. I don't think you now apply it to Abu Dhabi. Verstappen may have a two-point lead instead of being tied. That is true. So I think this, I think this is good. I think um, it still rewards points. It rewards some effort, and you don't go away empty-handed. But, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that. I know the, the sprint qualifying is getting extended, mm-hmm. and – I think they're having what three events this year? Six. Six. Okay. I I think they're have. Oh no! Wait. No, three events: Imola, Australia, and Brazil. They they were going to have six, um, but it was blocked by budget cap disagreements, according to Medlin. But yeah, okay. but eight points for the winner, all the way down to one point for the eighth. So those events actually help out even more because you get Hmm. bonus points so i think this is i i think formula one is trying to put a better face on this year and make better changes well yeah they're definitely um i mean they they learned a lot from this past year and and to their credit it sounds like they're putting some uh some real reforms together to um try and make it more consistent and, and I'll, I'll put this in. I was talking with my friend from high school, and he said he's excited for the season with all these changes. He's, he's excited, and I, I'm getting excited, too. I'm looking forward to this. I mean, I want to see how this goes this year, mm-hmm. and I, I think it, it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, I, I think it, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I yeah. think we've got one more thing we have to talk about in this segment. And it's what was the elephant in the room was yep. Lewis Hamilton. Yep. A quick primer. Uh, for those that don't know, Lewis Hamilton, uh, according to Mercedes team boss, Toto Wolf uh, was very, disappointed very disillusioned was his exact word about 
the conclusion of the uh, 2021 season and a championship that got away from him at the very last lap of the very lap, uh, very last race. And um, there was open speculation about whether or not Hamilton was going to retire from Formula One and move on completely instead of compete in the 2022 season. Hamilton, for his part, um, while being very gracious in defeat at Abu Dhabi, stayed unusually and completely radio silent in the weeks that followed. Um, and here, only in recent days, when in the midst of all of these, uh, these major meetings with uh, Formula One leadership and uh, some of the major team bosses, including Mercedes, did you start to see uh, Lewis Hamilton kind of uh, coming out of hiding, as it were, and uh, participating in um, uh, being photographed, participating um, in uh, team functions, um, and you know, uh, eventually being a part of the team's introduction of their 2022 car uh, with uh, new teammate George Russell. And a lot of the speculation that had gone on in recent weeks was officially put to rest in no uncertain terms. Hamilton is back, and he has said himself that he is on a mission this year. So, David, let's talk about it. Um, yeah. What what happens from here with uh, with Lewis Hamilton? Oh, I gotta say, I mean, it's I mean, I, I read the article by Chris Medlin today. Um, you know, he he said he didn't want to leave. You know, essentially, he didn't want to leave based on Abu Dhabi and and what happened, and he didn't want that to define him. But you know, I just, I mean. He, Hamilton did say he, he had lost some faith in the sport, and I don't blame him. I mean, you know, it, it's, it, it's the FIA, but, um, you know, I, I think this is going to, this definitely is going to defy him. It's going to give him some motivation. I just think um, he had to start defending himself eventually, and it's because of what Toto Wolf did. It's because Toto used it, you know, came out and said that right after the race and kind of used it. I, I think it, I mean, I think Toto used it more as a bargaining chip. Um, whether Lewis really said, oh, I'm thinking of retiring or that's it. Who knows? Maybe Lewis in the beginning of the season started to have thoughts and, and said something to Toto. I don't know, but I, I think there's going to be some determination. He has no grudges against Max Verstappen. I think he likes that. He, he's got a good rivalry going here with him. Um, I, I think it, it, drives you know it drives for Stappen and it drives Hamilton to be those uh competitors on and off I mean the late James Hunt and the late Nicky Lotto were good friends off the track they hate each other's guts on the track but off the track they were the best of friends and you know I, I think that's you know you kind of see the same with Hamilton for Stappen hey I'm going to race you hard, but, you know, I have no hard feelings. We, we do what we got to do. This is Formula One. 
So I I think it's really good for Hamilton to, to come back. I'm glad he's coming back because he is the face of the sport and that he never really considered retirement really means um, saying that he didn't consider retirement. Um, I, 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 I think now it puts sense why he went into hiding after and why he kind of got out of the spotlight was because of what Toto said. And this isn't the first time Toto has said something and, and Lewis hasn't liked it, i.e. Soshi and not letting Bodice win the race. Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing is, well, is I question if um, Hamilton didn't like what Toto said as much as it was he just needed a break. He needed oh, to, I... to get away from, from everything after, you know, not only the, you know, what was a very arduous and long season, but also the way it ended um, and what it meant. Uh, I think that was a huge part of it. And yeah. it, it, it seemed like, yeah, he just, he, you know, unplugged everything for a while and, you know, took a break, recharged himself. And, uh, you know, he's, he's coming back into this season with um, a renewed vigor and a renewed focus. Yeah. And, and um, that's, it's, it, doesn't bode well for the rest of the field, especially, um, you know, some of his, his final comments that he made in his statement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it certainly lends credence to the thought that we had in episode 30, where we said, if he comes back, watch out. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's probably going to be Lewis Hamilton and then everybody else this year. I, I, I agree. I, I think it's good. I, you know, I think they're going to be a front runner. I mean, we'll see what the testing out of Barcelona comes. I mean, look at, you know, that was a, that was a good precursor to what the season was going to be when Red Bull showed up and was, and everyone was like, what? Whoa, wait, where did this come from? I mean, we knew we were chasing you, but wow, what Red Bull might actually take Mercedes. And so I think, you know, I, I think it, we'll see what happens in, in uh, the next, um, you know, the next week with, with testing. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And I think Hamilton Scott, he's coming out with a, a chip on his shoulder. He's recharged. Um, we've seen this happen before with drivers step away, come back. And I mean, we, we, we've seen this in IndyCar, um, i.e. Alanzer senior who, you know, the, the late Alanzer senior who stepped away from IndyCar after, you know, a year and wasn't going to race and, came back in 87, you know, to win the Indy 500 as a replacement driver. You know, we, we, we've seen it happen before. We, we've seen drivers step away and, you know, sometimes it's good. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very good to see, you know, Hamilton this year and I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I think the question is how many wins is he going to have and how many points is he going to win this title by? Um, well, yeah. I 
I can't take a guess at that yet. <laughs> um, I I'm gonna let let's put over under five. Oh, I'm t- I'm Thor hammering the over on that. Oh, um, let me um, see. Let let me see how the first race goes, and then I'll I'll revisit that. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting this year. And by the way, if he doesn't retire, you know, if he doesn't retire until 2026, he can he can run all the way at Coda again, which extended the deal. So that's a that's some good news out of it. But um, you know, they announced that Coda, you know, one last thing is that Coda got extended to 2026 sell so formula one in the u.s for four more years at least but yeah i i i think hamilton um yeah uh, i let's take let's start with five but let's come back to that right before the season starts after testing yep for sure that said i think it's this is going to be a really interesting year for the series and i think it's going to be a a very successful one for Mercedes and for Lewis Hamilton. Um, oh, certainly. And they uh, they recently uh, debuted their their new car, and you know it, it sounds like uh, they've got a um, back to old school. Yeah. So um, uh, it's uh, it's it's going to be a heck of a season, but uh, some huge news out of Formula One, and uh, arguably uh, some good steps forward uh, for the series in terms of. Uh, their leadership, and in terms of uh, their biggest team and their biggest driver. Uh, that's, uh, um, you know, those are all uh, huge ramifications for them, uh, not the least of which will be uh, on the financial side too. Um, one uh, quick note of, of note uh, before we finish this segment up uh, is that the Circuit of the Americas uh, outside of Austin, Texas, recently inked a deal to keep them on the Formula One series uh, calendar through the 2026 season. Uh, so that's yeah. a, a huge uh, piece of news for them. Um, Four is, more years, baby. <laughs> yep. Uh, this is a circuit that has uh, proven itself to be uh, very popular, not only on the Formula One side, but um, other motorsports series, including NASCAR last year. Um, and they're going to be around for a long time. So um, great to see them uh, still on the, the circuit as well. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, that wraps up everything that we wanted to say in the spotlight uh, tonight. So with that said, um, David, I think we're going to um, uh, bring the car in for uh, uh, one last uh, round of updates, and then we're going to get ready to go green. Most certainly. So when we come back, it's time to preview the Daytona 500. This is From Checker to Green. The From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Are you looking for that competitive edge for your business or event? Samurai Graphics can design your logo, business card, letterhead, invitation, and flyers for your business or event. Samurai Graphics accepts different forms of payment and will give you that competitive edge that you need. Contact Samurai Graphics on Facebook or at SamuraiGraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business solution. 
Now, back to the From Checkered to Green podcast. Thank you, Elliot. So, Elliot, it is time to talk what we've all been waiting for. I know we've talked about Formula One and the big changes, but hey, it is time to go racing at Daytona, baby. Yes, sir. 500. Granddaddy. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. So um, let's talk about who the favorites are going into into Sunday's race. You know, as we've talked about, it seems like you've got – the single car speed of of the Chevy teams, in particular Hendrick Motorsports, versus the uh, the pack racing speed of pretty much all of the Ford teams. So, what wins out? You know, as we've seen in the past, even though you have a broad overlying trend, which is it seems like the Fords are going to dominate on Sunday. This is the Daytona 500. Anything can happen, and anybody can win. So, um, you know, clearly, I think the RFK teams of Keselowski and Busher have made quick work of figuring these cars out and making them fast in very short order. And they're probably going to be among the teams to beat. You know, the Stuart Haas cars, they figured something out along the way as well. It's, it was certainly telling to see that 10 car uh, break up the Hendrick Motorsports um, top four of qualifying Tuesday night. So they've certainly got some speed under that car as well. That said, there's probably going to be a great amount of attrition. There's going to be amount of, a great amount of pit strategy. And somebody is probably going to come out from nowhere that nobody saw coming to take the win this year. And for me, I think it's either going to be somebody like a Chase Briscoe um, or uh, even maybe like a, um, or uh, maybe a Bowman or a Christopher Bell. I think that racers like Tyler Reddick, I think they're probably a little bit too aggressive. And um, it seems like aggression is more of a liability this year than, uh, than anything else. And, you know, it certainly doesn't seem like the draft rewards that. And then, you know, if you try and do anything beyond that, then you're going to get wrecked. Um, so I just don't foresee that uh, working out for them this year. But I think, I think it's going to be one of these drivers that's, you know, kind of been in the conversation um, all week. But at the end of it, if they can make it through these, all of the, um, you know, the pit stops and then manage to avoid all of the wrecks and still have a clean car at the end, they're going to have something to show for it. I, you know, I, I, I definitely think it's going to be interesting. I, you know, a lot of those points I have to agree on. Um, but, you know, I, I question, you know, all these Fords that, um, you know, third through starting third through ninth are Fords. And then you have the Toyotas and you have Chevys and then you're getting another pack of Chevys and then some more Toyotas in that. I just, I mean, 
I, I know Ford's been good in pack racing, but the, the question is, I, I think one, it's going to come down to pit strategy. Um, and, you know, if it's tough to regain the draft again, if it's going to be, you know, much easier to lose it, do you, you know, last year we saw a lot of manufacturers, you know, we saw the manufacturer pits, the Fords, the Chevys, the, the Toyotas all come to pit together. Do we, do we start seeing besides cautions where everyone pits, but green flag pit stops, do we start seeing, you know, maybe the Chevys say, uh, you know, the Fords are going to pit now, so maybe we'll send part of our Chevys there and we'll send part of it with the Toyotas, you know, or do the Toyotas cut a deal with the Fords and say, or Chevy say, hey, let's pit together because the breakdown is there's six Toyotas, 18 Chevys and 16 Fords. I mean, so, if, you know, does Toyotas say, hey, Chevy, Let's um, pit together. We know the Fords are much quicker on pit stops and, and they've outdone us. And with the new lug nut, you may start seeing sub 10 second pit stops with the single lug nut. And or, um, you know, this year, so pits, pit strategy is going to be quicker. So I think, or the pit stops are going to be quicker. So I think you might see some strategy develop there. My only concern is, is if they get like what they did in the duels and get spread out, do we, you know, do we not get that aggressive racing that we did at the end? Like we usually would, um, how are they going to do on green, white checkers? That's going to be pretty interesting this year. Um, you know, we only saw one rack, so we don't know how these cars are going to handle the big one. Do we have the big one this year? That's the question is, you know, is the big one going to happen? It might, it might not. Um, but, you know, if you're looking at, you know, drivers, I, I got to say, you know, clear-cut favorite, maybe Bowman, Larson. I have to agree, Kozlowski. Um, I, I think Roush, um, you know. RFK. RFK, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, uh, you were going to call him RFK. I, I'm always going to call it Roush. I don't think Roush has ever won, you know, except with Kenseth won the Daytona 500, um, you know, for the longest time, the 500 used to be a, a thorn in Roush's side. He just couldn't win it. Um, and so I think getting Keselowski on there is good. Um, maybe a Harrison Byrne. Um, he's showing signs. Um, I'm not gonna, I, but I, the, the, the two that I, that I think could have a really good day that showed a lot of promise is the track house with Chastain and, and, um, Daniel Suarez. I think they, you know, I think getting Chastain and going to a two car team has upped their game almost, or is up the game and they can compete. 
So I really think that I wouldn't be surprised if one of them is in contention for the end. Um, we know Joey Legal will will have to go to the back because of the backup car. Um, but I also want to see how Jacques Villeneuve does um, and Greg Biffle. You know, I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see if Biffle ends up having a good day in, in the end. Those are very good points, David. As far as Biffle and Villeneuve go, um, I think if they finish the race and on the lead lap, that's going to be huge for them. Um, especially with seeing how the, um, especially the second full race kind of played out Thursday night. And it seems like it was pretty easy for the, the field to get spread out a little bit and I think um, even with the stage racing you're probably going to have that um, especially in the first and, and second stages as everybody is just trying to log laps and be there at the end um, I question whether or not you're going to see a lot of cars on the lead lap as we get down towards the end of the race now obviously if we start getting a rash of cautions then um, you know you might see some of those cars that were a lap or two down unlap themselves. And now all of a sudden they're back in the ball game. So, um, but that said, I think if they can just be there at the end in any form or capacity, that's going to be a huge day for them. Um, and, you know, the same with, um, with Noah Gregson, the Beard Motorsports entry, I think they're, you know, they've shown them the, themselves to be, a competitive car every time they've they've gone to um, a super speedway race. Um, and when Brendan Gunn wasn't sticking the landing, he was fighting for the race lead too. So, um, yeah. uh, so that's that's certainly uh, something of note as well. Um, do you do you think we get the big one? I mean, I I don't know. We're going to see side drafting, but do you think we get it? I think we probably will. Um, I think there's going to be, you know, a, a, a multi-car wreck of some kind. It's probably going to be late in the race um, where, you know, everybody starts trying to, to get really aggressive and really get the pushing. And it seems like from, from what I've heard that uh, the car design of the Fords kind of lends itself to, um, you know, pushing another Ford along better than a Chevy push, pushing a Chevy along or a Toyota pushing a Toyota along. Yeah. So um, that right. unto itself may be a focal point for um, uh, for somebody to get a little out of shape and then it's on from there. That said, the only major wreck that I saw from Thursday night was between two fours and it was yeah. when Joey Logano threw a late block. So um you know, so who and, you know, and, and from what, you know, that's, I think at the end of the day, it's, that's going to be academic because it can happen. Um, and it probably will, you know, as, as you get closer to that checkered flag and that really, really big trophy. The Harley that, J Earl trophy. The Harley J Earl, Earl trophy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody wants that. So that said, I question whether or not we're going to see the really big packs at the end, like we have in the past. Yeah. Um, and it also seems like handling is going to be pretty important too. And, and I think now that there's the foam in the front and the back bumper, I think that's the thing, you know, I think the Fords have, know 
how how much they can push each other with those new bumpers. Um, I think Chevy Toyota is still trying to figure that out because it is different, but I think it is going to be interesting. And, and let's see who forgets to get into fifth gear. Let's see who's the first one on the track come Sunday, forget to get into fifth gear. It's going to be like spinning the tires. And that's where you may see a rack is someone forgetting in fifth gear. And here comes somebody running up on you with the, with the new trans with, I mean, with that, but I, I will say I've got one final point on this and I think it's really cool before we get into our final thoughts is that the camera that they've got in the rear I think is really good and I think it gives the drivers another option um, to look at um, to see what's looking behind them that's on the dash in the middle that their camera so you could see during the duel some drivers who are looking up seeing how it looked and then looking down so they're getting the feel for that so I think that's really cool and I like that idea and I think anything that's gonna help make the racing better will be good yeah for sure uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fun race, though, either way. It always oh, is. yes. So with that said, uh, let's jump into our final thoughts briefly for this episode. Um, and uh, my final thought, and, uh, we really didn't have any, like, overriding themes that we wanted to talk about um, this time around. So we're just going to kind of freestyle it here. But um, just down the way from Daytona is New Smyrna. Uh, it's a short track in uh, in florida and uh they're having a um a, a really big event this week uh it's called the world series of asphalt um uh, there's a number of different uh racing series par- participating in it um among them uh is the uh among the races that uh have have run this week is the john blue at the third memorial tour modified 76 um uh, among others and it's been really cool to see, um, you know, all the the big um, uh, short track, uh, rate, the the big short track series uh, coming out to this thing, and uh, you know, making it a really really big event. And we've talked about this before. I saw a tweet from Gary Saint Amant last year that events like this are kind of fewer in number now than they were in years past. And it's really cool to me to see um, New Smyrna, you know, kind of possibly take advantage, I think, of the proximity of Daytona and of of Speed Weeks and all of the people that are in town for that um, to possibly maybe come out and check out some some short track action on uh, an off night. So, and thinking about how successful the um, the clash at the Coliseum was, the exhibition race, um, it's my hope that there's a way for NASCAR and for some of these um, uh, these short track series to be able to kind of do something in concert together, such that there can be a 
really visible, really well attended and profitable short track event for the series to participate in and further build the grassroots of this sport. There's a lot of attention being paid to it, rightfully so, and in some respects, it's, um, it's overdue. And, you know, there, we're, we're getting back to that now. I think it's a really good thing. And I think, uh, and hopefully it continues. And we see more of these events um, at different times of the year, or maybe even uh, during the winter months as well. Here's hoping either way. David, your thoughts? Well, I'm going to actually echo on that because there was news that actually came out today about a racing event up here. Um, it's Super Dirt Week, and it is, it is entering into its 50th year. Now, when I was um, months before I moved out to the Syracuse area in 2011, I attended or I actually attended the week that was the 40th running of Super Dirt Week. And this year they're doing the 50th running. Um, I actually went to, you know, and, and what it's at Oswego Speedway this year. And Super Dirt Week um, is huge up in the Northeast. It started at the Syracuse Fairgrounds, which are no longer there. And they moved it to Oswego Speedway and they signed an agreement to continue with there. And they decided this year that they're going to make it bigger and better. They're going to extend it. It starts October 2nd, goes through the 9th. They've changed it up. Um, they're getting more fans involved. They're going to do a charity golf tournament this year on October 3rd. They're doing a kickoff party. Elliot, you and I know this being from Oswego. Lighthouse Lanes, uh, right next to the Speedway. You and I went there a, a few times, um, you know, being Oswego grads. Um, they're going to do a golf tournament at Racing Green Golf Course, which is actually um, not, not far from where I live um, in, in the central New York area. They're going to do a fan cornhole tournament October 4th. They moved Weedsport to kick off the race with the 358 mods and the Dirt Car Pro stocks. That's going to be October 4th. They're going to still do their parade and a City Hall announcement. I'm not sure what that City Hall announcement is going to be this year. Um, then they're going to practice. They're going to run Brewerton Speedway on the 5th. They've changed up the qualifying. There's going to be qualifying Thursday night for the 358 and then their heat races. They used to be time trials all one day, heat races the other night. Um, they decided to change that up, an autograph session of past champions. Um, I may have to sneak up there and maybe get to meet Gary Ballou if he's going to be up there. He changed dirt modifieds to what is. Um, but they're still doing, you know, the seventh, they're going to do the a driver fan officials cornhole tournament, the sportsmen, the 
the big blocks practice time trial. They're going to do heat races. They're going to have fireworks on the seventh. And then the big changes to cap it off the Saturday, they've shifted the racing to be under the lights starting at four o'clock and at six, the pro stocks run at four, the 358s run their 150 lapper at six. And then Sunday, October 9th, an autograph session, and they said, let's do this under the light. The sportsmen run 75 laps at 3, and then at 5 p.m., it's under the lights, baby. The Billy Wicker Cars 200. So what a way to kick off super, you know, to, to ring in the 50th year. So Elliot, um, my thoughts is this is amazing. I may have to get tickets. I, I may, I may go that Sunday night, (laughs) to be honest, um, to go watch it. But yeah, I, you know, we talk about small events and I have to agree most certainly, Indy. That sounds very cool, um, and it's it's really great to hear that um, they're doing you know all of these different events um, you know across all kinds of different um, uh, sporting disciplines, and all in the spirit of fun um, to uh, to kick off and ring in uh, Super Dirt Week up there. Yeah, um, you know it's a it's a great place, great speedway, um, great city, great area. And it's going to be a great time. And I'm, I'm so happy for them that they've got all this, this, these great events planned. And, um, you know, obviously Oswego being Oswego, Mother Nature has a vote in all of this too. Um, you know, and sometimes it's, it's not what, what people may want. So hopefully Mother Nature cooperates as well. Um, you know, when she does, especially that time of year, um, it's, it's stunning scenery and country up there so uh, really hoping it works out so great great thought uh, david thank you oh yes i might have to um i may have to cash in um a, a big gift for my wife to so i can go to this race but maybe we maybe you and i need to um work some media credentials here for us maybe we <laughs> shall see <laughs> so this was episode 33. It's been a pleasure. We enjoy you listening to us. You know, keep up listening. Um, you know, I know it's a, a little different now that it's just LEI, but you know, we enjoy doing this and we, we enjoy you you listening to us. And thank you again for, for listening to the From Checker to Green podcast. And uh, this is Elliot Tardif. Uh, like David, thank you very much for um, uh, for listening to episode number 33 and um, appreciate you uh, being uh, a part of this ride and this journey with us and uh, look forward to having your listenership again in episode number 34 on the other side of Daytona. Uh, can't wait to uh, talk about the 500 um, and any other news that's uh, that's come out of this weekend. It's going to be a fun time. Um, Always is. Thank you very much. This is from Checker to Green.